today to another podcast episode of Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce, and what a privilege it is to have all of you out there by SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Blueberry, and others. We're just so very pleased and happy to have you with us today. We're going to continue with our study in the book of Romans. I know it's going to be a blessing to you. If it is, like it and share it with others. You can also go over to EstablishedInTheFaith.com And if you go there, you'll find more information on how you can subscribe to this podcast as well. We love hearing from you, so please feel free to contact us with any questions and comments that you may have. Well, we're going to go on into our study now. Let me invite you to go ahead and take your Bible and turn with us, because I know it's going to be a blessing to you. Eighth chapter of the book of Romans tonight, if you would take your Bibles and go ahead and turn there. We're going to try to finish up this chapter tonight. For the past several months, we've been dealing with three of the most important chapters, I think, found in the entirety of the Word of God. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8. In Romans chapter 6, we have the mechanics of our salvation experience. It tells us what all happens the moment that we get saved. We're baptized into his death, buried with him by by baptism into death, and we're raised with him to walk in a newness of life. And uh, chapter 7 gives us the failure of trying to live for God by the means of the flesh, our own self-efforts, law-keeping, uh, rules that we make up ourselves, and, and whatever the case. Then we have Romans chapter 8, which tells us how to live for God. And Paul tells us that it's through and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he tells us there in verse 2 of Romans 8 and verse 2, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The Holy Spirit works within our hearts and lives as we keep our faith anchored in the finished work of Christ. It's what Jesus did for us at Calvary's cross that opened up the door for the Holy Spirit to come in a new way, unlike he was not able to do under the Old Testament. But today he's able to come into our hearts and lives, and he can move. And he can work in our lives as long as we maintain our faith in what Jesus did for us at the cross. And we're to follow his leading. Verse 4, Romans 8 verse 4 tells us that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And it's important for us to follow after the Holy Spirit. Paul gives us a number of benefits of being led by the Spirit. If you look there in verse 10, we see that the Holy Spirit will bring life to us. If you look there in verse 11, He quickens the mortal body. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. And that quickening of the mortal body is the power of the Holy Spirit to... Build us up, if you will, on the leaning side. And he gives us power to mortify the deeds of the body. If you look there in verse 13, he said, If you live after the flesh, 
you shall die. But if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Now what did he mean by the word mortify the deeds of the body? Simply this, just because you're saved and you're filled with the Spirit and walking after the Spirit, that don't mean that you're perfect. See, we all have habits and certain activities and things that need to die. And the Holy Spirit will empower us to deal with these particular things. Verses 14 and 15 tells us that we've been adopted into the family of God. And we have the privilege of calling God our Father. Jesus said in John 15 and verse 16, that whatsoever you ask the Father in my name, He'll give it to you. So what do you have need of? He is our Heavenly Father. He has access to unlimited resources. He can do anything. I mean absolutely anything. And if He ain't got it, He can speak a word and create it for you. <laughs> Glory to God. And we have that privilege of calling God our Father. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, we see where the Holy Spirit can speak to us. He speaks to us, bears witness with our spirit. He teaches us as we read the Word of God and we place ourselves in an environment that is conducive to the moving of the Holy Spirit. As you come here and listen to Brother Jimmy on Sunday mornings during Sunday school hour or myself or anyone else for that matter over radio, television, you, you put yourself in an environment that is conducive to the moving of the Holy Spirit, open up God. God's word and read his word and say, Lord, help me to understand it. He will teach you. The Holy Spirit will bear witness with your spirit and he'll stir you to pray about things. I don't know the number of times I've gone down the road and I've seen accidents or the rescue squad come by or the police may have pulled somebody or whatever the case and, and I'll just, Lord, I don't know who they are, but you do. Lord, just intervene in that situation and, and work things out for the good. If they don't know you, Lord, do something in that situation and draw them closer to you. And you, know, you just don't ever know. And you ride down the road and you see a funeral possession go by. Lord, be with that family and help them. I don't know who they are. And I mean, sometimes here in the service on Sunday mornings as names are being called out I'll, I'll sit over there and in my spirit as moment it's called out I'll just be praying in my spirit Lord I don't know um, this person or their situation but Lord you do and just intervene on their behalf that's the Holy Spirit stirring us to pray for ourselves uh, for others whatever the case may be the Holy Spirit comforts us and he also convicts us of sin the moment you do something wrong, He's there. Hello? <laughs> so the Holy Spirit will deal with you. He'll work with you. He speaks to us. And in Romans chapter 8, verse 17, we have an inheritance. And we also see there that one day we're going to be glorified together with Him. That's when the rapture takes place. Praise God. Which could be at any moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we'll be called up to meet him in the air. 
And corruption's going to put on incorruption. Mortality's going to put on immortality. We'll be changed and we'll ever be with the Lord. Now, we have all of these great benefits. But Paul also warns us of some things. That this Christian experience is not going to be easy. Paul warns us, if you look there in verse 5, there's going to be a battle between the flesh and the spirit. He said, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. There's going to be a battle in your mind of things that you want to do and things that the Holy Spirit wants you to do. Instead of watching certain programs that come on, the Holy Spirit will lead you to open up His Word. Well, you say, well, I usually do my studying in the morning, and I've already done my studying for the day. Well, you may have, but you may find that there's a time that the Holy Spirit wants you, He wants to show you something in His Word at those particular times. So there's going to be a battle between the flesh and the Spirit. Uh, Verse 17 and 18, there's going to be some suffering that we're going to have to endure. Let's take a look at those. He said there, verse 17 of Romans, If we're children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So there's going to be some sufferings uh, that we're going to have to endure in our Christian experience. But he turned right around and said there in verse 18 that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. In other words, the sufferings that we're going through now is nothing compared to the good things that God has got prepared for us down the road. Um, In verses 22 and 23... Paul warns us that there's going to be some groanings and some pain that we're going to have to endure. Let's look at that. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of the body. So we're going to have to endure some groanings and some pain in this Christian experience. There's going to be some infirmities, if you'll look there in verse 26, which is weaknesses. Whether they be spiritual weaknesses in our walk with the Lord or whether it's a physical thing that we may have to endure, uh, there's going to be infirmities. He said there, verse 26, but the Spirit helps our infirmities. And there's a lot of negative things in our Christian experience that we're all going to have to endure. But I like what he said there in verse 31. He said, what shall we say to these things if God be for us? (laughs) Glory to God. If God be for us, who can be against us? 
He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In other words, God has already given us the crown jewel of heaven. God has already given us everything. Everything else that God has is nothing compared to, the, to His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And if He has given Him up for us, then He'll freely give us all things. Whatever it is that we need, all we have to do is just ask Him for it. He'll freely give us all things. All right, Paul warns us that in our Christian experience, there are going to be some who bring charges against us. If you look there in verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Let me tell you this. No one has the right to bring up the past sins of anybody. Now, did you hear what I just said? None of us have the right to bring up the past sins of anyone else, especially if they've repented of it and they've asked God to forgive them of that thing. We have no right to keep bringing it up. Paul said here, latter part of verse 33, it is God that justifieth, just as if I'd never sinned. That's the way God looks at that person. That's the way we need to ask God to help us to look at those people. In the book of Acts, chapter 11, verse 9, the Bible says that what God has cleansed, that call not thou common or unclean. Let me read that again. What God has cleansed, that call not thou common or unclean. But folks do this all the time. Now, I understand the world out here doing it. But the church should know better. You and I should know better than to bring up the past sins of other people. Even in ourselves. Now listen to me. We've got a bad habit at times of looking at particular situations that come our way. And we say, you know, if I hadn't have done so and so. Now you fill in the blank. There ain't a person in this room got, that ain't got a skeleton in the closet. And we think sometimes, well, God ain't blessing me or this has come on me because of that sin I did way back then or whatever the case. Look, if you've asked God to forgive you of that thing, then He's forgiven it. He's justified you. If God's forgiven it and forgotten it, then guess what? You need to forgive it and forget it. You need to leave it alone and stop bringing that junk up and saying that that's the reason why God's not blessing you. Whenever you keep bringing up stuff in the past that God's forgiven you of, that's an insult to God. It's an insult to the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just need to stop bringing up stuff. Paul warned us that there are going to be some that condemn us. Take a look there at verse 34. Who is he that condemneth? Folks will write you off quick. Do you know that? Especially the world out here. They'll call you a hypocrite in a heartbeat. Oh, you go to that church. Bunch of hypocrites go down there. I talk to people all the time. Well, why don't you come go to church? Well, I ain't going to that church. Bunch of hypocrites. 
And I'm like, well, if you're so good, won't you come show us how to do it? <laughs> won't you come show us how not to be a hypocrite? Like I said, the world out here writes you off quick. And the church does it too. Come on now. We'll write people off quick. Oh, well, they went up there and got saved. Well, they won't last a week. Mmm. Some toes hurting now. You know I'm telling the truth. Well, I wonder how long that'll last. I sure hope it sticks. The church will condemn people quick, especially if they don't follow a certain set of rules that we've made up. They miss a Sunday, whatever. Okay, we'll write them off quick. Oh, yeah, they ain't saved. They just... They just play in church. We've got to be careful of that. In this Christian experience, you're going to find that people are quick to condemn, whether it be church folks or the world out here. Okay? Folks are going to condemn you. But understand this. You've got what the world says. You've got what church folks say. You've got what God says. What God says about you is the only thing that's really going to matter. Okay? And Paul tells us that there's only one that has the right to condemn. He said there in verse 34, It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Jesus Christ is the only one who has the right to, to condemn. He's the one that died on Calvary's cross. He's the one that paid the price. He's the one that came up out of that grave. If anybody has the right to condemn, it's the Lord. But instead of condemning us, He makes intercession for us. That's the love of God. You know, some of you got saved as a kid. And I don't know your heart, but you may look back in your life and you see a time where you drifted away from the Lord. You backslid. You weren't as close to the Lord at a certain time in your life as you once were at an earlier time. But yet the Lord saved you when you were a kid. The Lord knew then you were going to play the fool. Hello? The Lord knew you were going to mess up. But He saved you anyway. He loved you anyway. He made intercession for you anyway. We all know the story about Simon Peter and the Lord. They were all sitting there at the Last Supper. And they were eating the Last Supper. And the Holy Spirit told the Lord, Peter's going to deny you three times. And the Lord didn't get upset about it. He didn't say, Simon, you sorry piece of human flotsam, get out of here, you sorry thing. The Holy Ghost done told me you're going to deny me. Get out of here. I don't want you in here. You're going to affect everybody else. Get out of here. And that's what a lot of church folks would do. See? But the Lord didn't do that. He looked at Simon and said, Simon, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now those words that he uttered, to Simon Peter are the same words that he utters to you and I today. Because believe me, friend, Satan desires to have us, that he may sift us as wheat. He's out to destroy our faith. But the Lord said, Simon, I've prayed for you, that your faith 
fail not. You're going to fail me. You're going to deny me three times. But I've prayed for you, Peter, that your faith fail not. And when you're converted, I want you to strengthen the brethren. That's how the Lord works. He intercedes on our behalf. And when we see a brother or sister in the Lord fail in some way, we don't need to kick them between the pockets. We don't need to ignore sin either. Sin has to be addressed. But make sure you condemn the sin and not the individual. Understand what I'm saying. And we're to be helpful to others who fail the Lord in whatever way that may be. And as the Lord prayed for Simon Peter, we need to pray for that one and try to help to restore that one and be careful lest we fall in that same sin they fell into. Another thing to keep in mind too, Jesus said, get the beam out of your eye before you try to get it out of someone else's. All right. Paul warns us about things that are going to come against us to try to separate us from the love of God. Take a look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Now, the answer to that is no one. No one can separate us from the love of God. However, you need to understand we all have the free will of choice. And we can choose to separate ourselves from God. Let me say that again. Nobody can separate us from the love of God. But we of our own free will of choice can decide to separate ourselves from God. And Satan knows that. That's why he uses the following things. Take a look there, verse 35 again. Tribulation. Distress persecutions, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. If you look down in verse 38, you'll see death. You see life. You'll see angels, principalities, powers. All of these types of things that Satan will try to use to pull you away from God. And Satan is constantly coming against us with these things. But God allows these things to show us the weaknesses in our lives. And when we see those weaknesses, it's to draw us closer to God and not drive us away. So when we find ourselves in a bad situation... Understand that Satan is using that situation to drive you away from God. But God is allowing that situation to increase your faith, to build your faith, and to draw you closer to Him. And sometimes things can be so bad, it'll look like verse 36. Look at what Paul said there, as it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. So this Christian experience is not going to be an easy thing. Paul said there, verse 37, Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Now this don't mean that we won't never fail the Lord. I don't care how strong you are in the Lord. 
you're still in this flesh. And as long as you're in this flesh, there's the potential of failure. Okay? And all of us have failed the Lord since we got saved in one way or the other. And you're going to find that many times the failures are more than the victories. But when you get back up, you hear what I'm saying? When the devil knocks you down, get back up. Faith doesn't quit. If you don't quit, then God won't quit. And let me tell you this, when the devil knocks you down, there's only one way you can get back up, and that's through and by Jesus Christ and what he did for us at the cross. 1 John 1 and 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, verse 38, Paul said, for I am persuaded. Now this comes from a man that has gone through some things in his life. He said neither death nor life. Someone said it's easier to die for God than it is to live for God. You think about that statement. It's easier to die for God than it is to live God. If anybody knew about life and death, it was the Apostle Paul. He was stoned and left to die several occasions, and he was beaten nearly to death on one occasion that I'm reminded of. He suffered shipwreck, he was bit by a snake, and he was imprisoned several times during his life. So this is a man that's been down the road a piece if you will. And he said, I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 12 and 17 that a messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him and caused him all kind of problems. And in our Christian experience, there's going to be demon spirits, fallen angels, principalities, and powers that, that take advantage of situations trying to pull us away from God. But Paul said, none of these things, whether it be present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature. That covers just about everything that you can imagine. Like I said, Paul suffered these things. Uh, because he was taking the gospel to a hurting world. None of these things shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's a great thing to be saved. It's a wonderful thing to be filled with God's Spirit. When we follow after the Spirit, we can have some great benefits, and God will bless us tremendously. But we need to keep in mind that there are going to be things that come against us. And some of these things that come against us affect us emotionally. And there's going to be times when it's like God is a million miles away. And you're like, why in the world is God allowing this to happen to me? And there may be times when you feel like, well, God just don't love me anymore. Well, you just look at this scripture right here. It says that nothing 
shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If the program today has been a blessing to you, we hope and pray that you'll share it with others. This podcast has been made possible by the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry. Go to establishedinthefaith.com, click on the Donate tab. All donations are safe and secure through PayPal. We look forward to hearing from you. Music